Welcome to Longevity Now, the place for all your news and views about life extension from around the world. In this episode, we will focus a little more on the views, and more specifically, how people view themselves. I have always wondered how the slow but steady process of aging affects one's attitude and perhaps even some of the underlying biological mechanisms of the process. Does observing the gradual appearance of wrinkles, gray hair, and aches and pains reinforce preconceived notions of the inevitability of aging and death? And on the flip side, does changing your look or maintaining a youthful appearance using cosmetic or other methods change your attitude in a positive and self-reinforcing way? Let's find out by having a conversation with the world record holder for cosmetic surgery, Cindy Jackson. And now I would like to welcome to the program, Miss Cindy Jackson. Hello, thank you for inviting me. Well, it's great to have you. My first question for you is in regards to how you became known for cosmetic surgery and keeping a youthful appearance. I noticed in your online biography that you said you felt you were meant to spread your wings beyond just your home state of Ohio. And I wondered at what point did it also become an effort to transform your image? Was there a specific event that made you think, hey, I could do this? I could make myself look young again, or was it more of a gradual process? It's just who I was as a child. I always wanted to see the world. I always wanted to go and, and, and do things other people wouldn't do. I had a totally different perception of the world ever since I can remember. And in high school, I noticed that you know, when, when people become very aware of their peers, that it was a whole different ball game, literally, for the girls who had all the looks and the clothes and the cute girls. And I didn't think that was fair, but, you know, it was life. Life isn't always fair. And I had a very keen interest in photography and in, in art. So during my art study, I eventually went to art college and continued my studies in, in the U.K., in London. I learned about classic proportion. I was interested in also... Desmond Morris's The The Human Ape, which is a fascinating book about anthropology and the importance of looks because human beings judge each other and draw conclusions about each other based on visuals. We all have a primal template in our heads that we hold up to every person we see and make judgment calls about that person within a matter of seconds. And it's instinctive. So I knew that my face technically didn't fit the classical beauty, which had been already quantified by people like da Vinci and Michelangelo, but I didn't think there was anything I could do about it. You know, you also know, you look at your bank account and say, okay, I can't afford a Rolls Royce, so what? It's just one of those things you become aware of. It didn't bother me particularly, but I was aware of it. And as I got older, I had been living in London for several years when sadly my father passed away and he left me a small lump sum. And I hadn't even thought about cosmetic surgery before then, ever, because it was out of my reach. It was the same analogy. I'd never thought about owning a Rolls Royce. But the first thing I decided to do with that money, uh, because I was living in London as a student, I didn't have a lot of money. I'd never had enough money to say, right, I can do something with this. Usually I had bills to pay, car payments to make, rent, rent that had to go out. So... I decided to remake myself with cosmetic surgery. And no one had ever done this before. Remember, this is 1987. And 
that's where I got started. Okay. And that uh, that leads me to a little bit of a side question. Uh, one person was wondering, one member was uh, asking where you got the money to do all of this. And you indicated that an inheritance helped you get started. But, of course, continuing on through the years with additional cosmetic surgery is certainly costly. I, I don't know how much, perhaps, that you spend on cosmetic surgery, say, per year. But how do you continue to fund further enhancements? Well, this is the interesting part because I have been trained in photography. Uh, it was my original thing before art college, and I was doing photography on the side to make a little bit of money. So I knew the newspapers, and I'd also been a, a, I knew about syndication from photography. And I had been in a rock band for 10 years at that point in the U.K., and, and I had quite a name for myself here. So I ran into a newspaper reporter one evening after I'd had quite a few things done, but it was still in the first 14 months of my surgery, and he wanted to do a story on it, and I said, no, I don't want to do any press on this, this is just for me, this is private, why would I ever do that? And he kept calling me and bugging me, and then he finally offered me a load of money to do a story for the Sun newspaper, which, long story short, they published the story, because I thought, well, I don't know anybody who reads the Sun anyway, it's okay if it goes in, because I'll just get the money, and then nobody knows. Well, they syndicated it globally, and then I was known all over the world, and I started getting more and more interview requests. And literally within a month, I had a lot more money because I knew to charge for the stories. I knew to charge for the photos from my photographic background. I I still own all my before pictures. I still own the after pictures you see. If I don't take them myself, I, I buy the copyright out. So I fund it by talking about it, basically. Okay, so it's kind of a media-backed financing. Yeah, so 25-some years ago, checkbook journalism was rife, particularly in the UK. Sure. I have made all the money back many times over. All right. What are the most difficult cosmetic procedures you've had to endure? You know, cosmetic surgery shouldn't hurt, especially in this day and age. Before, say, 20 years ago, the anesthetics were kind of a hard part to get to. That was rough. You know, you'd wake up feeling a bit sick. I always immediately threw up for hours after any general anesthetic. But that's not the case anymore. They're much lighter and much easier to get through. So, no, cosmetic surgery shouldn't ever hurt. And like I said, for me, the anesthetic was the worst part, which sure. is now no longer the case. But, yes, I did have one procedure, but it wasn't, strictly speaking, cosmetic surgery. It was maxillofacial surgery where I had my chin disconnected from my jawbone with a circular saw. It was moved back and wired into place. And I, I was so swollen. I was swollen from the top of, of my upper lip to my chest. I looked like a bullfrog from the side. That was rough. And how long did it take to recuperate from that procedure? Well, I was in a total Australia nine days post-op, so it wasn't that bad. The swelling went down pretty quickly. They gave me a lot of pills, a lot of things to take the swelling down. I was on antibiotics because when you cut through the mouth, because they'd gone to lower teeth, so just below the, the lower teeth, okay. they go in and pull the chin out through a hole that they do an incision there. So when you cut inside the mouth, you have to be on antibiotics because the mouth is full of a lot of bugs that can get into your system. I and you know, infection is, is always something you need to try and control and be aware of and, and prevent whenever possible. Do you have any specialist doctors, professional trainers that help you maintain your youthful looks and vigor? Um, I know of the best doctors all over the world, and I'm always meeting new ones. 
So over 25 years in the business like I've been, a lot of them have retired and younger ones come up through the ranks. And I learned from all of them. So no, I don't have one specific surgeon or surgeon for every body part, but I, I certainly know who I would go to when next thing needs doing. And as for a personal trainer, no, I don't go to the gym either. I like to walk everywhere, but I do have a very expensive German Bellicon rebounder. Great aerobics, because I have, as we all get older, you know, our back starts to go. You can do aerobics on it without back strain, instead oh. of, and, and, and yoga as well, because you're not on the floor. So you mentioned walking so, and doing yeah. the rebounder, doing some aerobics. Uh, how much mm-hmm. general exercise do you get in a day, or what is your weekly routine like? Oh, I have absolutely no routine. I can't because I travel a lot. I travel all over the world. That's my passion. Plus, I, I see clients all over the world. So, I mean, I just got back from Switzerland last week. I think we postponed this because I had to go to Zurich. My favorite thing when I'm traveling is, and I often go to Austria, which is my second home, I do mountain walking, which is very invigorating. But So I might do two, three, four hours on a mountain, and then I don't get any exercise for a week because I'm sitting at my computer. And that's more of a natural rhythm, to be honest, you know, for human beings. So I prefer exercise that engages the mind, body, and spirit, you know, like breathtaking views, fresh, clean air, good company, challenging climb, all those things. I could never just go to the gym and, and do all those repetitive things on machines. And I also worry very much about the bacteria and germ count in gyms. When it comes to longevity, you know, a lot of it becomes about preventing dying, basically. That's the very basic premise, really, isn't it? It is. And as you get older, you become more and more risk-adverse, which I am. So you think more about germs. You think more about, you take more care when you travel. You take more care with who you open the door to and, and try to prevent accidents and diseases, picking up germs. Okay, well, what other things do you do besides the nipping and tucking of cosmetic surgery that might be considered more like rejuvenation or youth maintenance? Well, at this point, for me, it's all about diet, stress management, and avoiding environmental pollution, not putting creams and potions on your body that are full of carcinogenic things that get into your body because your skin is an organ and things do go into your skin. You know, we've learned that from topically applied hormone uh, creams and things like this, you must go inside. And I'm very careful about what I eat, what I drink, and what I put on my skin. I do take a vitamin pill and mineral mineral supplement every day, and plus a thousand milligrams of vitamin D every day, because we don't, especially in England, you don't get as much vitamin D as you need. And more and more studies are suggesting that vitamin D deficiency does cause a lot of of damage. Um, We do need it. And I also, I'm a vegetarian and I eat mainly a raw organic diet with no dairy products. I think that's very important because you are what you eat. All right. Then I have another uh, member question here. With liposuction, studies have shown that sometimes there is fat redistribution around the body as well as a, a bit of an increase in visceral fat. Did you notice any of that when you had liposuction? Uh, and for those who have experienced this, do you have anything that you recommend that can uh, deal with it besides just proper diet or exercise? This, there's a mythical thing about saying when you have liposuction, it'll come back in different places. Now, when you have the fat removed, it's physically removed from the body. It goes into a pot then, that then is disposed of hygienically. It can't come back 
it can't get back into your body and redistribute itself. It's gone. It's destroyed. If you do eat more and more food, you put on more fat, that's new fat. Or that's fat cells that are existing, exp- expanding. It's nothing to do with what's been what's removed. What's been removed. Okay. All right. Uh, then how about the recent topic of early maintenance facelifts or Botox? That has been a bit of a controversy recently with younger women in their 20s getting early maintenance type cosmetic surgery. And many doctors seem opposed to that. What's your viewpoint? I don't think girls in their 20s should have cosmetic surgery except for things like rhinoplasty or breast augmentation in certain cases. You know, girls in their 20s don't realize what they've got. You know, if they're young and they're pretty, that's great. And they want to change their facial structure, okay. But age-related interventions in your 20s, well, it completely doesn't make sense to me because you're in your 20s. Why are you worried about preventing signs of age? Where are they? There might be the extreme case where a young girl has got uh, perhaps a, a frown line between her brows or, or, or something really unusual, but I don't agree with it, no. So you'd say that their skin is young enough, and if they just maintain proper lifestyle and diet, that they might do more harm than good by getting some procedures in their 20s? I think so. Okay. Uh, And then that brings up a little side point you mentioned in some special circumstances. You could see someone in their 20s getting uh, cosmetic surgery or someone younger than that. And there are cosmetic defects. As an example, a member brought up, say, having a very large nose. And sometimes that can lead to bullying for teenage girls or even in their 20s. Now, what would your perspective be on whether or not insurance should cover that type of cosmetic surgery that some people would consider a defect and create a negative personal image? That's a a very tricky area because, especially these days with the recession and the economic situation, people do need to take advantage more of of insurance policies they paid into year in and year out. But at the same time, the insurance companies are becoming less and less willing to just pay out (laughs) any claim. I think that's a very tough question there because it's up to the insurance companies and it's very hard to prove that that it's affecting your quality of life Okay. unless you've got a deviated septum or you've broken your nose. Um, that's that's a hard, hard and a tough call. But I wish them all the luck because I've seen young girls with very big noses who whose quality of life is so enhanced once they get rid of the, essentially, sure. the, the stick that people are hitting them with by bullying them about the size of their nose. Okay, and throughout the years, you've seemed to have very successful cosmetic surgeries. You've never had a what anyone from the outside could see as a bad cosmetic surgery. But some stars, some musicians sometimes have had bad cosmetic surgeries or it wasn't as good as what they had planned. And it seems like public scrutiny is very negative upon these people. What do you think about that? Well, yes, I've had fantastic cosmetic surgery, but I didn't go into it with my eyes closed. And I I took it from a scientific and mathematic point of view to, to create a look. Most people don't do that people in the public eye can, are often more and more critical of themselves than anybody else because they're being judged for their looks. And, and often, I, I've dealt with Hollywood stars. I've dealt with the musicians who come to me for advice. I've dealt with some of the biggest names you wouldn't believe who 
have had bad surgery and they literally have nowhere else to turn. They don't know anyone who can help them. And the problem with them is it seems that they think that if they don't get the particular gig or they don't get a certain movie part, that they need to change the face. They don't realize that maybe they just weren't right for that part. And they can keep going and having more and more things done that aren't necessary and aren't going to get them where they want to go career-wise, especially older women. So there's a little bit of psychology involved in these things, too. But, yes, I've seen some of the worst surgery on some of the richest patients. Mm. Uh, and then just to follow along on that question, uh, some more social-type questions about cosmetic surgery. You mentioned older actresses getting cosmetic surgery, and it still doesn't seem like that is very accepted within the general society. How would you say the attitudes towards cosmetic surgery have changed through the years? Is it becoming more accepted now in the last few years? People don't accept when somebody's face looks wrong. Again, it's the primal template we have in our in our brains that we hold up. And if you see somebody whose face doesn't look right, or they look too stretched, or their nose is too pinched and tiny, or they have no expression because they've been over the boat, we know it, and, and and it's human nature to attack that and say, oh, look at that. Uh, you know, you wouldn't do that with a person who had a, a physical defect from birth or an accident, but you would do it because someone who goes just to themselves and then puts themselves in the public eye is there for what they perceive to be ridicule, which is, it's very unfair, but you'll see that the ones who've had subtle surgery that looks 100% natural never get this criticism because people don't have that handle to grab and say, look what they've done, because they can't see what's been done. And that's the future of cosmetic surgery, where if you don't know that the person is an 80-year-old actress and you, you just saw her in a cafe unbeknownst to you that she was 20, 30 years older than she looks, that is successful surgery, not someone who looks operated on. Okay, so uh, you think a lot of the scorn that sometimes is uh, heaped upon some people by the public is related more toward bad plastic surgery or, or cosmetic surgery than just a general attitude that no one should ever change their natural looks. Absolutely. As Joan Rivers once said to me, she said she took her hat off to me for admitting that I'd had surgery and talking about it and being an example of the gold standard of what cosmetic surgery can look like. And other people who look amazing for their age, who say they would never go near the scalpel, when in fact it's obvious they've had a lot of work done. Mm. You know, she said to me, that's what's dishonest to women, not people who admit it. But when you admit it, immediately you're... It doesn't matter what you've done with your career. I'm thinking singers and certain comedians who look great for their age and have admitted it. Suddenly, their entire body of work, their entire professional careers are forgotten about, and they're only known for cosmetic surgery. Do you, so, do you see that attitude changing nowadays? I know many stars are just absolutely terrified to admit that they've had cosmetic surgery. It, you know, from my perspective... I am very open to anyone wanting to change their look or appearance or change is good and diversity is good. And I don't understand quite why the negative opinion on cosmetic surgery still exists to such an extreme amount with more famous people. I think it's, again, the silent majority. It's not what everybody thinks. You don't think that. I don't think that. I'm sure people on longevity don't. They don't think that. 
it's the loud few people who make a lot of noise, and it's the press who whip it into a frenzy because they need stories that shock. I mean, things that have been written about me in the press, completely fabricated, ridiculous things um, that have nothing to do with reality. Because I've had a lot of surgery, it's good work, and I admit it, suddenly I'm attacked. Mm. Why that is, I don't know. I think it's because they want to sell papers, they want to get web hits, yeah, okay. they want to write something sensational. But you, you travel all over the world. Do you see that attitude changing a bit? I think I see it a little bit. Well, considering how many people I've helped have surgery and how many people contact me, you know, there are a lot of people who want it, and it's growing exponentially. It's also growing with people who've had bad surgery because it's across the board. It's not going to go away, and people these days have surgery you would never guess. I've had clients that come to see me, and I look at them, and I think, what could they possibly want? This is a beautiful, natural person. They shouldn't touch anything. And then they run down a list of surgery they've had. And I, this would not have happened 15 years okay. ago. Right. You could spot them a mile off before. Now you can't. And that is, that is the future, and that's, for me, successful surgery. And this is what I started. And do you envision a time in the future when getting some of these complex cosmetic surgeries will be just like getting ears pierced? Do you ever see it becoming that common or that easy? It's pretty pretty now. I don't want to minimize the sure. risks. Or, because, to be honest, I mean, cosmetic surgery has done thousands and thousands of operations all over the world every day. Very few people don't make it through. But of course, you get the high-profile death where... Somebody, something went terribly wrong. But if it was that dangerous and that unsuccessful, it wouldn't be such a gross industry. There wouldn't be more and more people wanting it, and there wouldn't be the demand for it there is. So it's not going to go away, but the methods, especially the general anesthetics, are so much easier now. And also a lot of things can be done under local anesthetic because some people, for health reasons, can't tolerate a general, and some of them are very afraid of it. <laughs> so there's something everybody could have done if they want it doing. And a couple of years ago, I was reading about a couple of clinics in the United States that were starting to uh, experiment with stem cell-based interventions or surgeries. And I was wondering what interesting new treatments or trends you've seen in the industry, mainly more biological or science-based treatments that might be more akin to true rejuvenation of cells in the body, uh, but also if you've seen any other types of cosmetic surgery trends that are interesting just in the last couple of years, could you expound upon that? Well, yes, there's new things coming and going every year, but most of them don't work. Um, there's still no substitute for tried and tested methods like skin tightening with a facelift, getting rid of excess fat with liposuction, or improving overall skin tone with vigorous exfoliation and moisturizer. But there are some things, like stem cell research, I'm interested in not for anti-aging because what they're doing is injecting the face with it. I some pretty strange-looking results. Mm -hmm. They do this in Switzerland. But stem cell research for regenerating organs in future, for really extending life when, when you have a diseased organ, I think it's going to be the useful thing for stem cell research and uh, smart drugs and telemetric repair and things like that, reversing age-related organ damage, that will be very interesting. But for the face and the body to anti-age at this point, still the old-fashioned stuff that works and tried and tested. The newest things we've had recently, Botox, 
which is still around, and that's being improved on all the time. Now there's a new one in development where instead of injecting a, the botulism toxin, they're just touching it with a super, super, super cold needle, for lack of a better technical okay. explanation. Yeah. It freezes. It's, actually, it's so cold, it's like dry ice. And I put this fine needle through, and they cause frost damage instead of injecting the toxin. That's the future for Botox. And I just witnessed the most incredible procedure um, last week. I went in the operating theater with a top, top maxillofacial surgeon. And he was treating sleep apnea, where instead of lasering the epiglottis, which is what they used to do, or, or reaming out the sinuses, they actually uh, open up the airways in the throat. Because people who snore very loudly or stop breathing in their sleep are getting less oxygen to the brain than they should. Mm-hmm. And they, they go to sleep laboratories and measure the, the level of yes. oxygen and, and then six months later after this operation measure it again. Because they're, they're even looking at premature dementia caused by lack of oxygen during sleep. And the whole lower jaw is lifted off of the airways. And you can see the before and after x-rays. It's incredible. And it changes people, people's lives and perhaps adds 10 to 15 years onto their lifespan. So there are a lot of different things coming out. And we never really would have thought of snoring and sleep apnea as shortening your lifespan. But it does. And it's something that can be uh, remedied, perhaps, with this It's surgery. a major surgery, though. Oh. This is involving Moving the jaw. This. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it's always with people who have a receding chin and jaw. It can often be so far back, and that's physically what's blocking their airways. It's quite incredible. Well, so I'm always learning new things sure. and, and new ways to prevent early death <laughs> and, <laughs> well, and life, you know, like you guys with your life extension sure. interests. And I'm very interested in that because when I first started having surgery, I wanted to look pretty. And then as a year went by, I wanted to look younger. And now I'm very interested in living longer because there's nothing I don't know about cosmetic surgery or transforming the face and body. But it's the insides, you know, you sit or you're, you've got diseased organs or, or you're just getting old and everything's wearing out. That's that's now what I'm interested okay. in. I'm interested in life extension because uh, I've done everything else, and this, that's my next step. I'm very, very involved in looking at what's going on in Switzerland in particular where they don't have an FDA to control everything and stop things in the early uh, track. So, so yeah. as far as your viewpoint on life extension, it sounds like you're the type of person that would want to push it as far as you can go. Absolutely, and I intend to. I was a pioneer with cosmetic surgery, and I would love to be a pioneer with, uh, with anti-aging. I'm actually doing some things behind the scenes that I can't really talk about at this point. Well, but, it's, it's wonderful to know that at least you are doing some things behind the scenes, even if you can't mention Absolutely. It. I want to live forever, and I want to look good for as long as I can, and I think most people do. It's, it's not an unusual viewpoint. Lastly, is there anything you would like to promote uh, for people to watch out for in the near future? Do you have a conference you might be going to, a new book, or some other type of appearance? I'll be in Stockholm in October to launch Sweden's first anti-aging fair. I did the one in Copenhagen this October, just gone. But if anyone is interested in rejuvenating your skin, I developed a very advanced microdermabrasion, which is available for from cindyjackson.com. It has no chemicals, no color, no perfume. It's not animal tested. 
And it's incredible what you find out when you're developing products like this, what goes into the products on the shelves. I actually went through my flat with a bag and threw away everything, put it all in the dustbin bag that I had because I found out what exactly the ingredients consisted of and the carcinogenic properties. So be very careful what you label onto your skin. It goes into your body. I've got a microdermabrasion product and a moisturizer. It's vitamin-rich and made in small, fresh quantities. Okay, well, we'll have to certainly promote that upcoming anti-aging conference in Stockholm. And I want to thank you very much for joining us today on Longevity Now. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you, Justin. Ms. Jackson started out wanting to look beautiful, then wanting to look young, and now she would like to actually be young once again. And you can find out more about her methods and new endeavor into anti-aging research by perhaps attending the previously mentioned conference coming up in Sweden, or any of the growing number of conferences dedicated to true rejuvenation, such as the SENS 6 conference coming up in September in England. Attitudes are changing. Are yours? Until next time, I'm Justin Lowe.